1: and brought up in Jerusalem, so that he got the best of Jewish education as well. He he had the, the best theological training, if you will, of his day, because God had a plan and purpose for his life, a unique plan and purpose for his life. But see, here's the thing, God has a
0: unique plan and purpose for your life as well. When we look at all the people in the Bible, We can watch how, over time, God uniquely shaped the plans and purposes of their lives for the greater purpose. In today's message, Pastor Robert gives an example of just that. Listen and hear how God is always working behind the scenes in our lives. Stick around after today's message from Pastor Robert. I have quite a bit of information that I'd like to share with you. Our web address, podcast subscription information, and our contact information. Now here's Pastor Robert in the book of Acts chapter 22 as he begins his message dealing with discouragement. His love is
1: the now he left the Apostle Paul in the custody of the Roman soldiers there in Jerusalem. They had arrested him Trying to defuse a riot that broke out uh, in the temple courts in Jerusalem. But as they were taking him away, Paul persuaded the, the Roman garrison commander, they're headed up the steps into the garrison, into the Antonia fortress which was next to the temple, and Paul persuaded the commander to, to just let me speak. And, and so the commander allowed him to speak to the crowds there on the steps of the fortress, but it didn't go well. As soon as Paul told him that the resurrected Jesus had, like 20 years earlier, what, 25 years earlier, had told him, listen, they're, you know, they're not going to listen to you. You need to leave Jerusalem. I'm sending you to the Gentiles. And as soon as Paul said that, again, you know, the crowd rioted all over again. And that's where we pick it up in verse 23 of Acts chapter 22 (laughs) It says, then as they cried out and tore off their clothes and threw dust into the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scourging so that he might know why they shouted so against him. And as they bound him with thongs, they tied his wrists together. Paul said to the centurion who stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? So now the commander has drifted off. You know, he's given his orders to, the, to this centurion and this group of soldiers. They've got him inside. Everything's calmed down. You know, he's diffused the riot that was going on outside. Now he's got Paul inside. And he's still not clear on what's going on. You know, I think he was bewildered by the intensity of the, of the riot and wanted some answers not understanding, at least not fully understanding, the Hebrew language. And even if he had understood the language, I don't think he would have been able to comprehend the, the nuances. You know, like, why is this? What was it that Paul said that provoked such a violent response from the mob? And apparently he thought that Paul wasn't being completely candid with him, so he decided that he would just beat it out of him. You know, it was normal. It was a normal approach to interrogation in those days. Tie him down and beat them until they start talking and scourging the cat of nine tails, a nine, nine-pronged whip that was designed to inflict serious damage to the body. And uh, there was a problem, though. The, the commander's interview strategy failed to take one thing into consideration, and, and it's clear that he didn't even consider it a possibility that Paul might be a Roman citizen because the beating of an uncondemned Roman citizen was a crime and it was a, a serious crime which was itself punishable by death. Even putting Paul in chains without a trial could have gotten the commander into serious trouble. So Paul's situation abruptly changes at verse 26 which says when the centurion heard that, he went and told the commander saying, take care of what you do for this man is a Roman. Then the commander came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman? He said, yes. The commander answered, with a large sum I obtained this citizenship. It cost me a lot of money to become a Roman citizen. Paul said, but I was born a citizen. Now, Paul's right there for just a second. My first point today, the first thing that I want you to notice is the complexity, and I don't have time to really Build this out for you today. But here you've got this Pharisee, this Jewish rabbi who was born in Tarsus. And we don't know all of the details. We're not given really a lot of detail about how it came to be that Saul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul, was born with citizenship. Wasn't normal for Jewish people. We don't really know how that came about, but we know that in, in God's sovereign plan, the providence of God, Paul was born with citizenship to Rome. He, he, he was born into, apparently, a, a fairly affluent family. We talked about this in the past. I mean, he, he was able to, um, his father, his family was able to send him from Tarsus to Jerusalem when he was still a kid. He was probably only about 12 or 13 when... Either the whole family moved or or they simply sent Paul to become a student of Gamaliel, to learn the Mosaic Law, to follow in his father's footsteps. As we'll see in a moment, his father was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. So now he's educated in Greek because Tarsus was really like the foremost at this period, at this point in history, the foremost city of Greek education, but then brought up in Jerusalem so that he got the best of Jewish education as well. He he had the, the best theological training, if you will, of his day, because God had a plan and purpose for his life, a unique plan and purpose for his life. But see, here's the thing. God has a unique plan and purpose for your life as well. One of the things that amazes me, you know, when I when I came to Miami in 1985, it wasn't a plan. I was 26 years old and I realized, God, I need to grow closer to you. I want to learn from you. I want I want to I want to grow as a Christian. And, and I'm I'm managing this retail store where I'm working like anywhere from 75 to 90 hours every single week. I've got no time for a life, and I, I want to I grow as a Christian. I want to have more time to study my Bible. I want to have more time with other Christians to pray together. I can barely get to church, and how do I do that? And, and so I applied to this one organization, and they said, no, we think you should apply to Youth with a Mission, and I said no because it would mean quitting my job and a total change of everything in my life. And then a little while later, as I was praying about it, it became clear God wanted me to do that. So I did quit my job and, and um, but in the, in the application process, I thought that the only training center Youth With A Mission had was in Texas. But the Texas Training Center sent me a whole catalog of options. And I was completely confused, but I look at the catalog and I see Miami. Oh, my grandfather spent all of his adult life just about in Miami chasing women and betting on horses. Maybe I could go there for Jesus. It's closer than anything else on the map, so boom, that was it. Just send my application to Miami, I guess. And only later did I realize that what I viewed as a random choice, as a random selection, God had foreordained. When I was 11 years old growing up in Macon, Georgia, actually I grew up out in farm country outside of Macon, Georgia. And one day this, this little Cuban attorney shows up. And Mr. Perez informed us that he was there to teach us Spanish. And all of us were like, why? This is Georgia. We're surrounded by watermelon fields and soybean fields. And I don't even know anybody who speaks Spanish. Why do we have to learn Spanish?